This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Hope everybody's having a great day out there. We've got everything you need sitting right in front of you. Just have a seat and enjoy the ride for the rest of the show. we got uh, Chad Ryder, NFL media draft analyst, will join us at 3 o'clock as the draft conversation grows every single day. Combine happening next week. We'll get into all of uh, the possibilities for your Seattle Seahawks. Our guy, John Morosi, will be with us at 4 o'clock, as he is every week. And then uh, we'll do best of the rest coming up at 5 p.m. So make sure you stay tuned for all of that. Text line is there for you at 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Text in throughout the show, whatever you'd like. Uh, Meanwhile, spring training is underway. Things are happening out there. And uh, there seems to be a level of optimism around this Mariner team. I don't know that anybody's over the top calling for a World Series, but I think people are feeling better about, you know, considering where the offseason started, to where it is now, I would say there's decidedly more optimism at this point. Yeah, it it was kind of a quiet transition too, where all of a sudden it's like, okay, people stopped complaining, and now you're gauging it based on like social media. Yeah, I'm just gauging our texts it based and, on the texts, yeah, things kinda, like that. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like people are pretty pretty tame, pretty happy about it, and I don't know if they're happy. I'm just saying they've mellowed. Con- How about content? The 54% has tailed off a bit. That was involved in everything, and now that I said it, it'll show up in all of our texts. But yeah. uh, there was anger. There was there was annoyance. There was frustration. There was uh, impatience or or lack, you know, run out of patience, I should say. And I didn't blame anybody for feeling that way. I think it was warranted uh, based on how things went last off season and how the season finished. So, uh, you know, you fast forward a couple of moves, you get Garver, you get Hanniger, you get Santos, you get uh, Polanco, Polanco, and everybody's like, okay, well, you understand the, the injury concerns we've talked about incessantly here. Uh, but if, that big if, they can stay healthy, you feel like they've got a much better line. There's much more reason to be optimistic going into this season as opposed to last season, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of years ago, and I always go back to the Frazier-Winker year, we were pretty positive going in because you're looking at those two guys and what they had done in years prior, or not too recent past, that both of them had been all-stars. Both had, I believe, right at 300 as far as their batting average goes. And, you know, you thought, okay. But then, you know, you got kind of stung by them and then the next year which was last year obviously that was hot garbage yeah as and, far as the offseason went right and so everybody you know i thought was somewhat hopeful but more skeptical and then you know the beginning of this year after all the comments from from cal raleigh at the end of the year i mean it was like okay if cal's saying something then there must be something really wrong and something to complain about so but yeah it's kind of trans where do you think the it, the turnaround for me, it seemed like it was the week where they got Polanco. Because you did trade away a piece in your, your bullpen, but like everybody was pretty much, the consensus was, well, the bullpen's pretty pretty loaded and we've not had to worry about them. So that was the the biggest uh, you know thing they had to give up in order to get Polanco. But yeah, it seems like that was the turning point as far as the offseason goes. Yeah, I, w- I would say that was sort of icing 
on the cake, so to speak. I think, uh, you know, having Mitch Hanniger back, you, everybody loves him. Everybody understands his history with the injuries. So you take that into account. Mitch Garver, I think we've seen uh, with his time with the Rangers, you know what he brings to the to the table. He needs to stay healthy. Polanco, so you're seeing American League player one, obviously, that was on your team. He was with the Giants last year and Mitch Hanniger. But the other two you've seen just as opponents. Yeah. You've seen Polanco. You've seen Garver. You've seen what they're capable of. So I think, you know, and you're both you're looking at both those guys going, okay, well, they're not 36. They're not, you know, guys that you're trying to, as I said, bring the sponge dry. There's something left in there. Let's see. Now, it doesn't mean you went out and got, you know, top shelf free agents, Cody Bellinger and, and, and you know, everybody else that was available. But considering what we talked about before, the constraints financially, it's it's pretty impressive what they've done without giving up. Presumably, I was under, I was dead set. They're going to give up Miller or Wu. One of those guys will be gone, and they didn't do it. Ended up being Topa. Yeah, which you don't like giving up anybody that you relied upon mm-hmm. that, that played a major role for this team. And Topa was a, was a guy that you you had a lot of faith in when you went to him, but they. If that if they were going to give up in any area, the bullpen is where I would feel comfortable, only because they've had a really strong track record of just finding guys. We've talked about it. They find guys you never heard of, and they turn into productive guys that you, all of a sudden you're relying on, and you feel a level of comfort when they come into the game. So, yeah, I don't like giving up Topa, but who was Topa before he got here? We're going, huh? Topa, <laughs> exactly. So this, I, I've got faith in their ability to find – and replace that arm or whatever arm they they part with out of the bullpen. Yeah, or maybe we're being a little bit too sure about that. Uh, you know, maybe all of a sudden it becomes a, a problem this year. But for the most part, it just seems that number one, they they're able to go and find talent. But secondly, they're mostly. I think mostly it's about them being able to develop talent. And we hear, you know, bullpen members. Which we we talked a lot of the bullpens, uh, bullpen members. Uh, as far I would as, say uh, all of the English speaking bullpen members we've spoken to repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so uh, yeah, I I feel like um, that. That's what we hear from them all the time is that, look, let's concentrate on the pitches that work for you. Let's not try to continue to work on this or that. You've got good stuff. This is why we brought you in. Throw this. That works for you. And it seems to to really pay off. So I credit mostly the the coaching. Uh, a couple of texts coming in. Icing on the stale cupcake, maybe. <laughs> uh 206 i'm so sick of trying to get by on the cheap all of the time well there's nothing we can do we don't control the budget we don't control the purse strings that's up to ownership and and you know jerry and justin have to do the best with what they're given i mean mm-hmm. and they said as much those were their words hey we're trying to do the best with what we've got is this the year where we like truly have focused on you know it used to be jerry and and Justin and and now it's pretty much the all of the the blame as far as you know where do we you know what do we blame for as far as our misery goes yeah it's kind of fallen on on ownership instead of Jerry a little bit more even though he did have the by the way two hundred six is fifty four percent joy so there we go we knew we were gonna get that <laughs> kind of asked for it yeah I it's. Yeah, it's pointed at ownership. I think it, it was made very clear when the whole, you know, Comcast story came out and, you know, projected revenue is now completely changed because they put, you know, Root Sports on an upper tier that fans are going to have to pay for. That whole story, you know, had legs and, and apparently, by all accounts, impacted what it was they were going to commit to spend. And how do you get mad at, at Justin and Jerry 
for having less to work with and <laughs> say, why, why didn't you do more with less? What's wrong with you? I think considering, you know, what, what they had to work with, it's pretty remarkable what they've done, what they've assembled without giving up, you know, one of your young starters. That's huge. Yeah, I, I wonder if, if uh, ownership is a little bit uh, nonplussed over the fact that um, we're one of the most profitable teams in Major League Baseball. So at the owners' meetings, I'm kind of the big shot, but people don't want to hear that back in Seattle. That Nobody cares. Problem. Nobody <laughs> cares. Problem. In fact, that's only going to tick them off more, yeah. hearing about how much profit or you know how well they ran it. Well, yeah, in lieu of what? In lieu of competing in the postseason, in lieu of actually getting to a World Series, still being the only team in professional baseball that has not gotten, even made it to the World Series, much less won it. You've been to the postseason once in 22 seasons. I'm not sure who's puffing up their chest around there, but they ought to deflate it if they are. Because it's that's that's not anything I'm hanging my hat on. Let's let's get this going. Yeah. The expectations are you get to the postseason. This is the patience is gone. This is it's time to you know do your thing here. And and it feels like they've put themselves in a position to at least at least make that not crazy talk, not kooky talk, as Kramer would say. Uh, but it's uh, it's it, it again. We we talk about injuries. That's the biggest caveat in this whole thing. But. What for you, and I'll ask the listeners this as well. What's what's the biggest question you've got? Biggest question concern, perhaps, that you've got about this team going into this season? My biggest concern, I guess, ultimately over the last couple of years, has been what are we going to get out of the players that that we brought in? And I think that's that's fair because the last couple of years it it really hasn't worked at all. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so. Uh, yeah, I think that's in maybe I don't know if you want to be specific about like maybe a player. Um, yeah, it could be a player. It could be yeah. a particular pitcher. It could be a particular you know the group. It's the bullpen. It's the defense. It's the for me. It's third base. That's yeah. my biggest concern. Offense as a whole, certainly because that's been the problem for a number of years. But if I want to get more granular, it's third base. I don't love what they have going at third base. I hope, you know, Urias is already dealing with a sore arm out there. Uh, you've got Rojas, who's a utility player, but I haven't seen him at third base. I don't know what he looks like. Maybe he'll be great. But that's not knowing what he brings and what, what Urias is going to fight through. Third base is is my spot of concern. Uh, so for me, I think the theme that I just mentioned is, you know, what are you going to get from the, the acquisitions that you that you got in the offseason? But as far as one player, I guess it's Ty France. And I think the reason why is because he, he was so reliable and you just could count on him. You knew that if he, you know, had a, a couple of games where he was slumping, that he was going to break out of it sometime very soon. And, you know, what, you know, we put a lot of trust and I think just kind of, for me, I think I've assumed that he's going to get better. And I was thinking about this last night going, maybe I'm making assumptions that are really only based on what happened with JP in the off season going to driveline. But, you know, to get Ty France back to, to being the, the guy that you can rely on. And, you know, and I just remember, I mean, I know he had played some first base. I think it was mostly third that he had played before he got here, but he became a, a really good first baseman too. Defensively, it was really good, but I don't, you know, I don't know how how he would rank as far as how he played defensively last year, but you know sometimes what you do at the plate follows you into you know onto the field. And as far as your defense goes, I don't remember anything like too crazy. But 
I don't know. I just think he is one of those guys that I feel like that's going to be almost like an offseason acquisition, that you're going to get Ty France, the one that you expected to to get after, you know, the, the couple of uh, previous years that, that his performance here in Seattle. Well, and if it doesn't happen, it won't be through lack of effort. By all accounts, he has been just crushing it in the offseason, working out. He looks physically different. Uh, his swing looks different. He's, he put in all that time at driveline. And, and so, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those situations you hope it's it's not between the ears that he, he can find it there as well because physically he seems to have taken care of his, his body in the offseason and transformed yeah. himself in a different way and made the commitment. I'm going to go to driveline. I'm going to, go, I'm going to do what I need to do to get back to where I was. So I, I can appreciate that as a fan, you know, as long as it's – I think the only thing a fan won't tolerate is lack of effort. If they feel like a guy doesn't care or they feel like a guy's not doing everything they can to be great, right? that's going to bother a fan. It's going to bother me. But if a guy's out there, yeah, man, I was the, the whole offseason, I'm working out, I'm working on my swing, my mechanics, my mental health coach and everything, and it's still not clicking, I'm not going to be mad at him. It's not, no. hey, sometimes it doesn't happen. But I'm with you. He's He could be huge. He could be huge for this lineup if he can get back to form. That is, That would be a, a massive piece in this lineup. A lot of people texting in their biggest concern is is uh, health. I get it. I get it. That's it. But it, I don't I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, it's it, that's the reality of, of the players you brought over. They all have health concerns for the most part. And I'm not going to be upset the first time we hear about so-and-so's on, you know, on the IL, so-and-so's miss sitting out for a few games. That's... I'm I'm anticipating it. Just I'm I'm bracing for it, and hopefully they're not all three at the same time. Yeah. Hopefully they can alternate. <laughs> if Mitch is out for a, for a stretch, hopefully Garver and Polanco are good. If Polanco's out, hopefully Mitch and Garver are good. Or you know, just just don't have all of them hurt at the same. Then it's going to feel like oh geez. Yeah, I, I kind of offset the concerns with uh, at least for two of the players, and one is Polanco and what we heard about that the guy is a warrior that he's not going to be out because of uh, a hangnail, even though that does affect pitchers sometimes. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing with uh, with Hanniger is just that, come on, man. I mean, like I said yesterday, I don't think he's injury prone. He's accident prone. And um, I know a little bit about that. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like yeah, it's, he's kind of due, really. I mean, I know that sounds like you're hanging on to hope. Somebody, somebody was saying here in the, in the text toy, why don't all the players work on hitting – in the off season, well, I think they all do. Okay, they yeah, they're just not all in the same spot. Yeah, but and and then I think this is kind of above and beyond going to going to drive line for him. I mean, that's that's like extra credit, extra work. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody works in the off season, obviously. I'm just wondering, you know, and you were talking about all the physical parts of it, those videos that that we were looking at where he's doing all kinds of different motions with the big ball and you know throwing it and all that stuff. I mean, I feel like when you get your body in you know in really good shape and you you have like a physique that you're proud of it gives you confidence and i yeah. feel like you know that's what you need at the plate man and that's something that i think i don't think it would it happened you know right away but as the year went on you could just see he was less and less confident at the plate scott service spoke with the media yesterday hit on a bunch of different topics but he was asked about his biggest hope for this offense i hope more consistent I think that's the biggest thing. And, and you talk to, to people, and we play such a long season, and there's so many ups and downs. And I think overall last year our offense was fine. You know, it was above league average in a number of areas. Ultimately, it's about scoring runs, and, and we were okay there. But the consistency of it, it came like real hot streaks and then a lot of real cold streaks. So hopefully we're more consistent. Um, 
um, and take advantage of the awesome pitching that we have. Yeah, hopefully they can come through in a more consistent basis with runners in scoring position because that's where they struggled. That's where they have struggled over the years is is taking advantage of those opportunities. When you look at it at the end of the season and total it all up, you're like, okay, it wasn't so bad. But then you're going, well, you missed the playoffs by one game. You look at this game where they went one for 12 with runners in scoring position and this game where they went two for 13 and this game where they went three for 11 and this, you know, you can, you can go through the box scores and see all these games where it's like, if somebody comes up with one hit or even a sack fly in certain situations, just push her across a run, you're looking at a different outcome. Mm-hmm. And there are just too many opportunities like that that went by the wayside. So I, I agree. It's a little deceiving looking at the – sort of like looking at Julio's numbers at the end of the year. You're going, wow, 32 home runs, drove in 100. That's pretty good. And you're going – looking at it you know, month by month, week by week, you're going, wow, there are some dark stretches here. Yeah. So Exactly. Yeah, and by the way, look at those numbers because we talked to Shannon about this yesterday, Shannon Dreyer, our insider, and she was talking about really it was you know a month and a half that was that was really good. And if you look at those numbers for Julio – so that was 37 games. Um, you know, he's batting 389. Uh, he had 12 stolen bases um, and, you know, 42 RBIs, 13 home runs. But you look at the end of September, man. And that was, it was 15 games, but still a 123 batting average. So, it's I brutal. mean, 50, yeah, you're saying it's a small stretch, 15 games. All you needed was one. Yeah. How much how, how many how many of those games would he have been the difference? Right. And not putting it all on him, but he's the biggest star. Every, this is an everybody problem. Well, and and it's fine I think to you take that on. When you are a guy who signs that kind of a contract, you take mm-hmm. that on. You know that that's the pressure. And that's what I loved hearing from from Julio yesterday talking about the sophomore slump and I'm going to use it and you know it's going to it's going to be something that motivates me, but yeah, 57 at bats. He had three doubles, no triples, couple home runs. Four RBIs, the 123 I mentioned, you know, and you look at that compared to the month and a half before where, like I said, 389 and 42 RBIs, 13 home runs. So that that consistency for him. And look, you know, you're only talking about 15 games, like you said, uh, but still that's that's too much. I mean, you need to, to even that out and it needs to be more of you know, getting back to some of the numbers that, you know, he put up in like May and, and July. I mean, those were those were decent. They're really good, actually. But I mean, half of September, he just pretty much disappeared at the plate. Uh, one more from Scott quickly, just on where he sees the lineup needing to improve. I think you've seen by the adjustments we've made with, you know, our position players um, on the offensive side, what their capabilities are. And again, we got to coach them up. We need to get better at certain things. We need to get better at two-strike hitting. You know, and I know our lineup is different. We should strike out a little bit less, put the ball in play a little bit more, but we still got to keep coaching it up, especially the young players that we have here. Because there's a lot of guys, you know, from, from Julio, Cal. I mean, you, you go through, you know, even Ty is looking forward to making some adjustments in his game offensively. So, you know, you got young players like Rayleigh, Canzone in the mix here. So, and then, you know, we know what Mitch Hanner can, Hanner can do, you know, when he's out there on a regular basis. So um, we did address those things. Yeah, so he he hit on a bunch of different things, and and he's not wrong on any of that. We'll hear more from Scott later on, but right now, let's take two. Seahawks have been active hiring assistant coaches. Earlier today, they reportedly hired Justin Hines from the Bears as their defensive line coach. That's in addition to the four they hired yesterday. Now, the website, Seahawks.com, officially only lists eight assistants, but Bob Condota puts the count at 18. 18, did it grow by one since we talked earlier? Because he had it at 17. Yeah, that was last night. Then they hired this guy today. 
Yeah, so uh, I guess if you hire twice as many coaches as you have, we'll be there. Don't they have 36 usually on the on the staff? <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know so how many, many they normally have. have. This feels like a lot. Yeah, it does feel like a lot. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's a lot of guys that, you know, you, you kind of have to look up. And Yeah, uh, I was just going to say, I sent you three names last night. I hadn't heard of any of them. Yeah. So uh, I know who their, uh, their running back coach is. Kennedy Polo was a guy I played against. He was at USC. And uh, so, I mean, some of these guys recognizable, but... I don't think Kennedy played in the NFL, but he was a really good fullback at USC. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, we're just going to have to learn about these guys kind of starting from scratch with a lot of these guys because there's, you know, and, and it's every time I see that somebody like Justin Hines is is hired, I'm like, where did he come across him? What, you know, what's his what's his background? How did they cross paths? What it is a What is it about this guy that nobody knows anything about? What do you know about him? Maybe he's big in the coaching community. The coaching community. Well, Eric Hosmer announced today that he's retiring from Major League Baseball after 13 seasons. He did it in a way that uh, seems to be the trend for every athlete now. He announced a new podcast that he's starting called <laughs> Digging Deep. All righty. Welcome to the fray. I mean, there's eight gazillion podcasts out there. and they're, Some are successful. Most aren't in terms of generating revenue. And guys, you know... The, the Kelsey brothers obviously have a different level of cachet than other athletes, yeah. and I don't... Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll be... I mean, who was Pat McAfee before? He was a punter. Who gave a damn about a punter? But he's turned it into a lucrative, decidedly more lucrative career than his NFL career was. So yeah. maybe he'll yeah. do something similar. Well, I mean, if I think to start off, uh, wear a tank top, do some yeah. screaming and yelling, and get a room full of guys to agree or disagree with you. But, I mean, I like to hope that he's doing it because he wants to and wants to stay around the game. Yeah, I'm guessing financially he's probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's done He's done pretty well. So, yeah, maybe it'll, it, it could be good. I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard much from him. I don't know what kind of a personality he is, but maybe he's hilarious and insightful. Hilarious and insightful are two good things to be with a podcast, Dave. Yeah. All right. Take two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. Coming up, there's some intriguing free agent linebackers that could be options for the Seahawks this offseason. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Texts are coming in. You guys can text in throughout the show, 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. A lot of thoughts on the the Mariners. The one I don't get, and we'll move on here in a moment to the Seahawks, Dave, is is off, you know, we got sort of, it's almost unanimous. There, there really is no unanimous feeling, but the, it's pretty unanimous that, hey, ownership needs to spend more. They haven't given this the team a chance to really bust down the door. They haven't given them the pieces to work with. And then in the same breath, they'll rip Scott service for not doing more with what he's got. So on one hand, they're saying, we don't have enough here, ownership. You've got to spend more. You've got to give them more if you really want to compete. But in the same breath, some of those people go, Scott service, he's terrible. How did he not do better with what we just called less? <laughs> less than is necessary. It does. They don't add up. You see what I'm saying here? It's, yeah, <laughs> I get it. It <laughs> <laughs> just... It seems a little contradictory, but okay, okay. If you don't like Scott, you don't like Scott. But I don't, I don't know that you can, you, you know, 
get upset about what they don't have to work with and how it's they can't compete with what they have and then at the same time get mad that Scott hasn't done more with with the half empty plate he's presumed to have. Yeah, and I don't think it's not been I don't we haven't heard any Scott service criticisms in a while. No, nah, it's just it's just random texts or just you every know, once in a while. He's not perfect. Is he the best manager in baseball? No, but is he I think he's a very good manager. Doesn't yeah. there are too many opportunities for decisions to go the wrong way though. You you pulled this guy, you brought in this reliever, why'd you do that? It didn't work. Why'd you pinch run for this, pinch hit for this guy? It didn't oh, yeah. work. There's just a million decisions that you, you, you get judged on in every game, 162 games. So he's never gonna go a season without criticism, but it's just to me, you can't have it both ways. You can't you can't decry what what ownership hasn't given this this team to work with. They're not they're not built to win, and then get mad at Scott because they're not winning at the clip you think they should win. Right, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Meanwhile, I think you and I are in in lockstep on the idea that the linebacker group is the biggest question mark, maybe the biggest concern for the Seahawks as we head into free agency and the combines coming up and the draft and all of that. Uh, as it sits right now, you don't have any starters. They're all free agents. Now they may bring Jordan Brooks back. Maybe they bring Bobby back. Maybe they bring all three Devin Bush back. Who knows? I don't I don't think that'll happen. But currently, they are not signed to your team. They are not on the team. So you're looking at linebacker as a huge need. Uh, and we were looking at some of the external free agents that they could possibly go for. And I think the name we've, we've mentioned the most, and maybe is the most logical because of where he's coming from and who the head coach is now is Patrick Queen. Mm-hmm. Who I think we read some comments from him when before McDonald got hired, but he was on the, you know, he was the name, and I think Queen was asked about him and, and just rave reviews of him as as a coach and everything. But that would be the guy. Would that be your number one? If you if they said you can pick any free agent linebacker that's available, who do you want? Would he be it, your number one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And look, there's there's lots of linebackers out there. Obviously, um, last last year we talked about Drew Tranquil a little bit, and he ended up going to to Kansas City. But Patrick Queen makes the most sense. And I was uh, I was looking at Spotrack, and they were looking. They have a little thing, you know, next to free agents, and that is just a, a calculation they do. But it's market value, mm-hmm. and his market value was like eighteen million dollars. Look, Bobby made eighteen million dollars like three years ago. So, yeah. you know, he's and he's he has always made good money. And we'll get to a guy who's made about half of that here down the list. But Patrick Quinn makes the most sense to me. Um, the other thing I, I kind of like the, the idea, I think it's 27 and 28. They were the 27th and 28th pick. And I'm talking about um, Jordan Brooks was picked, I think, at 27 and then Queen at 28 by Baltimore. He's got he's got better numbers, but I don't know that if you put Jordan Brooks in that defense that he wouldn't have similar type of numbers. I mean Patrick Queen the the pressures that he gets the you know the the sacks the um, tackles for loss things like that I I feel like you know he could he could be that kind of guy Jordan Brooks and if he had those two guys together but I don't know I just think maybe I'm biased but I think linebackers one of the more important it's kind of the glue between the defensive backfield and the front yeah you pretty much know everything you're you're doing i mean defensive linemen a lot of times don't know what the corner's doing and they don't really need to know unless it's help as far as support in the run game so yeah i think i think that would make the most sense to me there's some other guys on the list that we'll look at but i don't know patrick queen to me i i feel like with him and jordan brooks now is he healthy? All that is a whole nother story, but I feel like those two together could be the centerpiece of this defense. Well, and th- and this comes from an ESPN article where they're listing the top 50 free agents and the best fits. Right. So we've got four linebackers here. 
They don't have Seattle as a best fit for any of them. Right. <laughs> so that, not well, that that means anything, but this is just somebody's somebody's opinion on it. They they feel like Queen would be best. His best fit is in Denver. Denver, yeah. And so, and that, this is a list we looked at a couple of weeks ago. What, the one thing they did is they they just looked. They speculated this time on where to. Uh, so scratch my head, going, where have I seen this list before? But yeah, yeah. Now it's they they have the. Uh, projected you know destination and really the only one for the seahawks was leonard williams you know he was Mm. he's at number 16 and they have him as the most the 16th most prized uh off or a free agent and they have him going back to seattle and that's it they don't have any anybody else so i don't know i mean i would have thought hey if you're looking at linebackers and you're looking at what's going on with the seahawk defense this to me is is pretty likely because where else are you gonna go I mean, I don't think it would be super inspiring if you hired back um, Bobby and and Devin Bush, and no. I, I just I, I think you, you need to improve. Yeah. So I and maybe they're going to do that through the draft, or you know, like we keep saying, some some combination of that. But but there are some other guys on there that aren't as probably wouldn't be as expensive on the list, and like Frankie Louvu, and we talked about him last time, Carolina uh, linebacker, second level guy. Guy is just a backbreaker. I mean, he is a hitter. He's you know makes plays all over the field, and uh, you know maybe a little bit cheaper for a guy like that than Patrick Queen. Yeah, and they've got his best fit in Arizona. Um, so he's a guy you've brought up a number of times, and then you've certainly talked about these two guys, the tandem out of Tampa Bay. They've got them both on this list. One returning to Tampa Bay and Levante David. Uh, they've got him at number forty-eight of the top fifty. Number forty-four of the top fifty is Devin White, and they've got him as best fit in Atlanta. Now, you talked about Devin White tailing off at the end of the year. Uh, Levante David, he came out the same year as Bobby, right? Yeah, So three or four picks later. You're dealing with an older player. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I like the, I like who they've been. I don't know who they are now. Yeah. So I don't know that they're the answer. This To me, if, you're, if you go with either one of those guys, you're probably just as well to bring Bobby back. Yeah, I don't know. I disagree with that. Just because um, you still are getting the kind of production and like forced fumbles and tackles for loss and things like that out of Levante David. I think the problem with Levante David is he's not leaving Tampa. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's put up some unbelievable numbers. Like he has 33 and a half sacks. He had four and a half sacks last year for a second level guy. Now they bring him off the edge a lot down there, but you know, he had he had five quarterback hits last year and to me the the forced fumbles, uh he's got five passes defensed. I mean, he has just been just a a great linebacker, but like the year that Bobby made 18 and I thought he blew him away as far as stats go. He was making nine. So now um, I, I think he made like four or five last year, kind of like Bobby. And then, you know, they and he's on the list and they have him just staying in Tampa. And mm-hmm. I agree. But I mean, that guy can still run. I think I sent you guys a video the other day from the Monday night game. Well, it was like three or four weeks ago. And he was just flying around the field. I think Devin White is the same way. I don't know what happened to him. He kind of fell out of favor there at the end of the year in Tampa. But he's another guy that just has like, he ran, he ran like a four three seven, and and he's a he's a dude that will hit you. So um, yeah, Devin White I think is, is another guy. But I don't know if you're going to go big and you know you where's the biggest hole on your team? I think it's linebacker. It's, yeah. So if you're going to spend a lot of money and you know like I said the projected value of Patrick Queen was like somewhere around eighteen million dollars. I feel like if you're going to go big, that would be the one position that you would do it. Yeah, I mean it's. 
I don't know. Do you do you feel comfortable if they draft a couple of rookie linebackers and those are your starters, or you you kind of want that veteran voice in there with a rookie? I would think you'd want a mix rather than complete inexperience and youth in there. Well, I mean, if you have uh, if you bring back Jordan uh, Jordan Brooks and if that works out and everything, but I think that there's there's a lot of ifs, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think if if you let uh, you know the the draft go by and you haven't taken anybody i mean maybe they can find somebody in the in the later rounds but yeah i think i think that's going to be a big part of what mike mcdonald is going to do and uh are gonna gonna need for his defense so i feel like that's going to be something that uh is is a priority and like i said if you're going to have to spend money somewhere to get that kind of a player uh he's pretty important in your defense all right, coming up, there's been a long buildup to this one. What's bugging Bob, Matt, Mike, Dave? We'll find out. It's coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's Bugging Bob. What's Bugging Bob presented by Issaquah Pest Control. A reminder coming up at 3 o'clock, NFL Media's Chad Ryder will join us. Talk some NFL draft with him. He's got a uh, what a three-round three mock draft that he put out there. So we'll get into some of that coming up at 3 o'clock. Meanwhile, What's Bugging Bob, something we do uh, each and every week. And we've uh, recently made it a tradition. We start with Matt because, as he says, he loves to complain. And often he complains about himself. Yeah. Are you the problem today? No. It's not the one good thing you're good at. Don't say that. You're a fantastic board op and lighthouse operator. Oh, thank you, Dave. (laughs) Those two things, okay? I appreciate the kind Very unique set of skills. It's not me today, though. Today it's Mike Lefko. Oh. That seems to be a common one, too. Wait, he's bugging you or he has something that's bugging him? No. I do have something that's bugging you. Okay, that's what I got. He's, well, other than the baseline of just Lefko being in the same room just as you with four hours. General annoyance he that's brings. That's just like a yeah. general bug. <laughs> but today specifically, it's Mike Lefko's email obsession. Every producer at the station has to send out a post-show email to the rest of the building about what they talked about on their show today. So other right. producers can, you know, read over it, listen back to it. Lefko is very annoyed that I delete these emails the second I get them for this show because I was here. You don't read I don't, it. It hurts. I don't need a recap of a thing I just did yeah. for several hours. I listened. I was here for it. You you, you struggled through it. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to read the recap. You don't need to relive it. This annoys Mike Lefko because he spends way too much time making this recap email. Well, really, he's making it for everybody outside of this show. Yes. Because I'm going to, if that annoys you, Mike, well, let me help out. I do the same thing. I delete it. No, no, no. Matt, get to the point that you're annoyed with. The thing that's this is pretty me. ingenious by me. <laughs> oh, if you do say so yourself. He sure thinks it is. What he says is ingenious. I say, really annoying. He has started trying to find ways of making me read the email that he sends. Like if he sends it before the last segment of the show and I'm like going to get water out in the kitchen, he'll pop the email up on my computer. So I have to see it right when I get back. (laughs) Last week, he sent me a calendar alert 
to read it right when he sent it. Today, I had to use that computer for something. I had accidentally left my email open, and he sent me an email from myself <laughs> reminding me to read his recap. That's pretty funny. It has become his obsession. I've Don't gotta, give him credit, Bob. Do it, not take insight on this. I have to this. give credit. It's, it's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. <laughs> Mike is very pleased with himself. If he's not going to read it, I have to find very a way pleased. to make him read it. Why do you need him to read it? Why do you want him to read uh, it? That's no, the question. Oh, no, no, no. See, Matt him. left this part out. He makes a big show of deleting it in front of my face. So he'll hold his phone up and then gleefully <laughs> swipe and delete it. I only started doing that because he was annoyed that I deleted it so quickly. <laughs> oh. So we got kind of a Well, sometimes I mention him thing. in it. You know, Matt's a part of this show, so like today, what's bugging him? I'll recap that. And I want him to know that he's thought of and he just carelessly Deletes it. I don't want other people to know what it I It sounds say. like we spend too much time in this room together. I think that's what our <laughs> listeners are uh, taking away from this. <laughs> Matt looks fatigued. He's rubbing his eyes. He's like, okay, I'm going to tap out of this conversation. <laughs> so long. So, so long. <laughs> so, Lefko, is that is in turn what's bugging you? No, actually. Um, I don't know if you've ventured out to the disaster that is our kitchen. Oh, yeah. I was out there when they had the dishwasher pulled out yeah. from underneath the counter and, and they were in there. Yeah. Oh, is there a leak or something? No, no apparently people, broke. well, he said, the guy that was working on it said people put their dishes in there with chunks of food on there. Uh, why would you do and, that? And they overload it. So then, because I had to deal with this yesterday, the door wouldn't shut. So then people are trying to jam it shut because they don't arrange the dishwasher properly. And it goes along with just the savagery and the lack of social norms that uh, this room out here, the newsroom, abides by. Yeah, there are you know, a lot of animals bathroom, out there. The fridge... The kitchen, the dishwasher, any shared space. Yeah. Yeah, there is there is a general lack of concern for basically anything that, that is commu- of community use by a certain group of people over there, whether it's the urinal, whether it's the dishwasher, the sink. There's, we don't have a garbage disposal, but that doesn't stop some people from scraping their plate off into the sink and it just collects over the the drain and starts to back up. There's like, there's no, do you see a switch here? There's no hole. There's no hole for the food to go down. <laughs> see? There's no hole. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, I know. Well, I lived on a septic. Well, we had a place um, that in Winthrop where you're yeah. on a septic, and so you can't have a garbage disposal for some reason or whatever. It's bad for the, for the, uh, the treatment of, you know, the sewage and all that stuff. So it, it is tough to kind of get used to that because you're used to just shoving everything down there. But yeah. You can't do that here. Come on. You don't see a switch. No, there's no by switch. By the sink, right? And we have seen the sink backed up many, many times. Yeah. I would think most people are in tune with that. But again, we're working with a different element out there in the newsroom. It's, uh, I don't know if we're lacking critical thinking. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what's happening out there, Dave. But it seems to be, as Lefko pointed out, between the dishwasher, the sink, the urinal, and the fridge, just a general lack of concern outside of their own immediate use. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody is accusing Salk of bragging about not uh, putting, uh, not cleaning off his plate before he puts it in the dishwasher. He bragged about that. Apparently, he said he intentionally doesn't do it, <laughs> and that somebody, would be the theme of everyone out here too. So yeah, they're just following along. I think somebody's trying to set Salk up, probably. You know, on a on a brighter note, though, I would say we've not been struck by the urinator. Uh, I think for like a week now. If has anybody noticed? Well, no, I, I caught the one well, guy. Remember, you weren't here Thursday and Friday. Oh, okay. So, well, the one we guy I went in Monday. there and he was washing his hands, and I walked up to the urinal and there it was, and I was like, "Come on, man!" What did he say? 
He goes, huh? And I go, we don't flush the urinal around here? What, what's going on? He goes, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was in a hurry. I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. I'm like, yeah, this is takes so much more time to go, kerplunk. Mm-hmm. There's the there's yeah. the lever. Oh, Didn't man. have time for that. Now I'm late. I, yeah. Why are you late? Because I flushed the urinal. That's why. Had I not flushed the urinal, would have been right on time. Yeah. So I don't know if uh, if he's the main culprit, but I caught him. I let him know, Matt. Bob finally did it. <laughs> let him know. Yeah. I'm like, come on, dude. And he starts wiping off the counter and everything. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, I spilled water on the counter. I want to get all this off, too. I'm like, you don't have to disinfect the whole bathroom, man. Just flush the toilet. That's mm-hmm. all. This yeah. is I'm not asking you to bring in a mop and, and, and do the whole room. I mean, you can if you'd like. That'd be great. But, yeah, it was... Uh, I caught him, Dave. So we'll see. Maybe, Atta maybe, uh, maybe keep up the good work. Maybe Bob. he's been scared straight. I don't know. What do they call that here? An above and beyond. Don't we get the above and beyond awards? I don't think we're, our show's ever been awarded. <laughs> uh, so maybe <laughs> Does Bob it still exists. Bob has busted <laughs> the urinator. I can break our, our winless streak. I don't think that exists anymore. Maybe, maybe it does, and we just never win it. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe it's being awarded every month, and we're just completely out of the loop because we haven't earned it. All right. He has a mock draft out that will be of interest to a lot of Seahawks fans. Uh, talking about NFL media's Chad Ryder, NFL media draft analyst, will join us next here with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.